We're continuing in our overflow series, and next week's going to be the last edition of the, this series, and so uh, you don't want to miss it uh, because uh, it's going to actually take on very different, uh, different form to what we're going to talk about today and what we've been talking about the last uh, two weeks. Uh, but uh, back uh, in the early uh, mid-90s, I got my very first, uh, what I would say, real job. Uh, my first job was I was a paper boy, and so I would actually deliver paper to people's houses, and unlike here in the United States where they just throw the paper and then you have to like search like 15 minutes where in my yard is it we actually actually go up to letterboxes and actually put them through and which was interesting when people had dogs and stuff but my first real job was uh, was at a sports store and I love sports anything sports when I was a kid growing up so for me it was a perfect uh, uh, job and it was a store at a store called sports soccer uh, there's a picture of the actual store there sports soccer, which is kind of ironic because it was in the UK and we do not recognize soccer as a word at all. And so it should be sports football. And so uh, so I don't know why they call it sports soccer. It is now known as Sports Direct. And uh, uh, But anyway, I got this job and it was a Saturday job and, uh, and then holidays and uh, uh, a couple of evenings if they open late and stuff, I, I worked there. And I had this, uh, this boss, this manager, who was a wonderful manager. Her name was Bev, and she was 28 years old at the time, uh, which to me, I was a 16-year-old, and I thought, whoa, that's so old, and uh, now I'm going to be 40 next year, and I'm like, oh my word, uh, like, how old is that? Uh, but she, she was a great manager. And uh, everybody loved her. We had hardly any turnover um, of staff uh, when we were there. And the, the store did really well. Well, she goes and gets herself pregnant by her husband. And uh, uh, just, met, just clarify that one. And uh, she decides to go on maternity leave. And then she actually hands in a resignation because she's going to be a stay-at-home mom. So we got sent a new manager. His name was Dave. Dave was not Bev. And uh, he was not as good as Bev. And in fact, he was a terrible manager. Uh, he came in and he wanted to make changes and do all this stuff right away. He tried to be everyone's friend, but then he would like talk about people behind their back. And so a lot of people left um, and things weren't going well. And I did not like it. I enjoyed working there, uh, but I did not like this manager. And so uh, uh, some of the people who had been there before he came, we got together, we were talking and uh, we were not happy. So I decided one day, this is it. I'm going to write a letter to head office and and uh, I'm going to sell of my discontent of this manager. He was not nice. He was unfair. And uh, he just was not a good manager all around. He was too strict in some areas. Uh, he wasn't good enough in others. So I thought, I'm going to tell head office. So I wrote this elaborate letter about why he should not be our manager and we should get a new manager in. Well, things did not go too well after that. They actually sent a team in to come and take a look and evaluate his management and evaluate everything that we did. And uh, the result was he stayed as my manager. And uh, then about six months later, we had news that, uh, that the store was going to be closing down and uh, for some refurbishment. And so we were all going to lose our jobs for about three months. And if we wanted to, we could then reapply for a job after. 
chapter. And these six months have been miserable because I think Dave found out I had written the letter. And so things were not going well for me. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to take the little severance package, which was probably like two days pay. That was it. And uh, I'm not going to come back. And so I took my severance pay and I went and got a job at a gas station. And, uh, and, and that, I thought, was the end of the story. Well, about... Nine months later, the store is reopened, and I walk in, and I see some people that, uh, uh, that I know, and the store is doing great. It's a much nicer store than what we had, and they said that they are doing more business than they've ever done before. I said, so what about Dave? Is he still around? He goes, well, actually, he's not. They said, he actually got promoted to a bigger store, and so he is somewhere else, and we have this new manager in, and he is wonderful, and he is great, and it's a great working environment. They were like, you should have never left at all. And I look back at my time there, and that letter that I wrote, and it taught me a couple of lessons in life. And these are the lessons that that, that job taught me. The first is, it's sometimes better to say nothing at all than to say something. I said that again, it's sometimes better to say nothing at all than actually to say something. Let that one just drop in a little bit for some of you. The second lesson, and more importantly, is this. When you honor people, God will honor you. But when you take matters into your own hands, then good luck. And today, what I want us to talk about, I want us to talk about a principle that, that the Bible talks about, and I've discovered in my life, and this is the principle. When you honor others, the overflow is that God honors you. When you honor others, the overflow of that is that God honors you. Now, it, it is easy to honor someone that you respect, admire, love, or believe in. It's not so easy to honor someone who you think does not deserve your honor. Someone who has acted wrongly. Someone who maybe isn't very nice. So what happens when we run into those people? What happens when we run into the managers like my manager Dave? What do we do with people like that? What do we do with people who are unfair to others or, or not very nice or just plain mean? What do we do with people like that? Well, the story of David shows us the way as believers of Jesus that we need to act. And so this is the story. And today, there's going to be a lot of scriptures here and there and everywhere, uh, but they're, they're going to all come together. And we're going to take a quick look at David's timeline throughout his life. Now, remember last week we talked about David and we talked about how he had gone from shepherd boy to being public hero. He had finally defeated this giant that was in front of him. And now he was this, this famous person, this famous boy who had defeated the fiercest enemy of Israel. And now we're going to pick up the story after he defeated Goliath. And this is what it says. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses, start reading at verse 5. It said, Whatever Saul asked David, remember Saul was the king, so whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had colored, uh, killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. 
They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. It was like a Pentecostal meeting, right? Tambourines and cymbals. And this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave, uh, to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David, and he turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. And it says, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. So last week, we saw the rapid rise of David from shepherd boy to a uh, to person who was king-elect, who was anointed to be the next king of Israel, to becoming the greatest warrior in Israel after killing a giant. And this is what we said last week. The overflow of a pure heart is promotion. For David had this pure heart, a heart that God looked at. Uh, the Bible talks about a heart that, that, that was after God's own heart, a heart that God loved. And the result of his pure heart was promotion. Now David's promotion has got to a pinnacle. He has now risen through the ranks of the, of the Israelite army and he has become a commander over some of the men of war. Now many people think that this was uh, more of a, an administrative role where he would be back in Jerusalem and he would be a commander over some of the armies and some, and some of the, uh, the, the battalions and and uh, he would be helping to strategize, but he would not be out at war. He would be out of harm's way. David was too valuable to go to war. This was a high-ranking position. And this is what it says. Everybody was welcome in this position. Everybody, all Saul's uh, officials and the other people of Israel welcomed David's promotion. David was on the fast track. Everyone believed in David. David was going to be the next greatest warrior of Israel. But what often happens when God's hand of blessing and anointing is on a person's life is that others start to become jealous. And that is what happened. King Saul started to see David and he became jealous. Now think for a moment. King Saul is the king. He calls the shots. He's the highest ranking person in Israel. What he says goes. Why would he be jealous of a shepherd boy from Bethlehem? But this is the problem with jealousy. What happens is jealousy is a strange condition. It strikes when people start to become unsure about themselves. 
And what happens when people are unsure about themselves or maybe insecure about themselves, they start looking at others and start to become jealous of others. So the people start singing the praises of both Saul and David. They start rejoicing because Israel are winning the wars that they're going to. The Philistines are defeated, but this is what they sing. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. And there's three reasons why it made Saul angry. The first one is this. They mentioned David in the same breath as Saul. As a king, you don't want anybody else be mentioned in the same breath of you. They're almost putting David on the same pedestal as a king. And as a king, you do not want that. Saul is like, why are they mentioning David with me? Why not all the other warriors? Why David? So he gets angry about it. The second reason he gets angry is because they mentioned Saul first and David second. Back in ancient times, the person who was mentioned last was always the most honored person. The ones that they thought more highly about. And so to mention Saul first and David second, basically the women are saying, we prefer David over Saul, which made Saul very angry. Then the third reason Saul got angry is because they said that David's achievements were greater than his. David has just killed one Philistine, Goliath. But now they're saying David has killed his tens of thousands. Oh yeah, Saul, you killed your thousands. But David is tens of thousands. And so as a king, you can imagine, okay, is my throne in, 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 in threat? The people are liking David, this man. And so, Dave, so Saul started becoming jealous of David. And from this moment on, something changed. Their relationship changed. Jealousy gripped the heart of Saul. And if you let jealousy take residence in your heart, then your spirit and your demeanor and your outlook in life is going to change. And if any of you have jealousy for whatever reason towards someone else or something else in your heart, it will grip your heart and it will change your spirit and your demeanor and your outlook on life. It will obscure your vision. And this is what happened to Saul. So as a result of Saul's jealousy, David starts getting demoted. Last week we talked about David's promotion, but as quick as David got promoted, we also see the rapid decline of David's demotion. And we won't read all the scriptures, but basically this is what happened. The first part of David's demotion was David's music no longer soothed Saul, it angered him. Last week, we talked about Saul when he was agitated and angry. And the Bible said a, spirit, a, a, a tormented spirit from God came upon him. And it said when, it, when he was just like all annoyed and everything, he would call for David to come and play his harp. And his spirit would soothe. You know, it's like when someone's hangry and you give them a Snickers bar. They soothe, right? That was what David's harp did for Saul. But now we start seeing David's playing the harp and jealousy is taking over. Saul gets his spear and throws it at David. It actually happened a couple of times. David's music no longer soothed Saul. It angered him. Then we see that David got a lesser rank in the army and he was sent to the front lines to die. So before he was a commander of the men of war and he probably had tens of thousands of men under him. Now Saul gave him a new position. Hey, I want you, David, to go and become a commander of a thousand men and I want you to go to battle with them to the front lines. 
Whenever you were sent to the front lines, it was a death sentence. You were going to die. And David was sent to die. We also see that David lost the reward for killing Goliath. Saul says, if anyone can kill this giant Goliath, then he shall have my, my eldest daughter as his wife. Her name was Merab. But then what we will start to see and you start to read is that Saul gives Merab to another man and doesn't follow through on his promise with David. Then Saul's second daughter, her name is Michael. Kind of a weird name for a daughter, but Michael. She falls in love with David and they want to get married. And Saul comes along and says, well, if you want to marry her, then you've got to pay to marry her. Back in those days, guys, you had to pay actually to marry a woman. So, unfortunately. These days, we pay all the time for marrying a woman, right? No. I'm only kidding. But you did, you paid, and you go to other countries in, 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 in other maybe third world countries or countries in Asia, and sometimes you have to pay a, a dowry or something to marry a woman. But think for the king to marry the king's daughter, the cost to marry the king's daughter. And David was told, if you want to marry her, you're going to have to pay a cost. There's no way a shepherd boy from Bethlehem could pay for this cost, even though he had been promised by the Saul, the king's hand in marriage. His demotion was getting more and more. Then Saul kept putting David in situations where any normal man would die. He was trying to get him out, trying to get rid of him. Then finally, Saul puts a warrant on David's arrest. David goes on the run. David has no home to live in. And then the armies of Saul start to chase after David. David's demotion, it is at the lowest. He is now lower than when he was looking after his father's sheep. The rapid rise of David's promotion was equal to, uh, his promotion was equal to his demotion. Now, this is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look at David's attitude through all of this. So very quick, we're going to go through very quick through some scriptures. We've already read the first one. In 1 Samuel 18, 13, it says this. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. He's just got a demotion. He's now put on the front line to die. And this is what the Bible says. David faithfully led his troops into battle. How many of you, if your boss says, you know what, I'm going to give you a demotion. You're going to get a pay cut. You no longer get the office or that cubicle. Now you're back in the storeroom and you don't even get a lunch break or vacation. How many of you would faithfully still work? David faithfully still worked. Then it says this in Samuel 1, verses, uh, uh, chapter 18, verses 26 and 27. It says, David was delighted to accept the offer of the price to marry Michael, Saul's daughter. Before the time li limit expired, the offer was a little strange. It says, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines then David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. That's kind of a little weird. 
Don't know what king would want that. But David had been presented, if you want to marry my daughter, you have to pay for it. Even though I promised you could have her for free, now you have to pay for it. And the Bible says, David delighted at the offer. Who delights at that? Someone has gone back on you, and then now they've come with new terms, but David delighted at it. 1 Samuel 19, verses 1 to 3 says, Saul now urged his servants and his son to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. It says, tomorrow morning, he warned, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. Think Saul's closest people to him. His family, his son, is now showing loyalty to David. See what happens when you start having the right attitude and you start honoring others? Others start honoring you. Then in verse 1 Samuel 18, verse 30, it says, Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful than them, than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. And then 1 Samuel 19, verse 8, it says, War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Now, David, in his demotion, is still showing honor to Saul. He's having the right attitude. He's doing things faithfully, and God is now starting to reward him. He's becoming famous in Israel. Every time he went to battle, he won. The Philistines ran away from him because of the fury that they had. Then 1 Samuel 22. Things have now got worse for David. David is now on the run. 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 to 2, it says this, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and sisters and all his relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. So David went on the run on his own. He had no house to sleep in. He had no rank anymore. He had no money. And he found himself in a cave, the cave of Adullam. And the Bible says, a man and women started to come to David. And the Bible will show us, and we can read through the Bible. It says 400 men came, came to the cave of Adullam. They were rejected. They were discontented. But history tells us that those men, in the future, would become some of the most respected warriors Israel have ever seen. See what God is doing? Saul is disrespecting David, but David is honoring Saul. And God is starting to come and honor David. People are coming around David. God is protecting David. Then 1 Samuel 23 verses 9 to 12 tells us, It says, But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abinath, 
the, the priest to bring the ethod and ask the Lord what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I've heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the leaders of Keilah betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. Again, David asked, will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. So now Saul is on the run. Everything is going wrong for him. I mean, David's on the run. Everything is going wrong for him. And what does he do? He starts seeking out God. And now he's seeing and hearing the voice of God louder than he's ever heard before. He's honoring Saul. He's been, he is being demoted. He's been rejected. He's on the run. But now he starts hearing the voice of God. And then final scripture. 1 Samuel 23, 13 to 14. It says this. So David and his men, about 600 of, uh, 600 of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. I'll stop there. Remember 400 men, and now we see 600 men. David's men are growing. God is honoring David. Despite David's fall from poster child to Israel's most wanted, something never changed. And that was David's attitude towards God, his king, and his country. I think there's like a Christian band called that, right? For God and country. This is what we see. David honored God in all that he did. David did not let the situation interfere with his belief, his trust in God, his faith in the fact that God is good and God ultimately wants the best for him. No matter what the situation, it did not change that. Second thing we see that God honored Saul, his king. Saul was still the king. And despite Saul wanting to eliminate David and get rid of David and kill David, David kept his words and his honor to the throne. His mentor, Saul, who was once his mentor, his father-in-law, remember, he was his father-in-law and his king. He honored him. He honored him. It takes a strong man to not retaliate when challenged. I think if someone wanted to kill me and wanted my life, whoever they were, I would have to think, man, I'm going to make sure that they get what they deserve, not David. He's my king. I'm not going to touch him. We also see that God honored Israel for the good of everyone. A broken Israel meant a weak Israel. And David, more than his own life, believed in Israel. He believed in his country. He believed in the land of his fathers. And he knew that there was all these nations around, surrounding around, trying to bring down Israel. And if he took out Saul, they would be weaker at this time. Oh, how I wish sometimes our politicians would have that kind of attitude, right? For the good of the country. I'm amazed at the maturity of this young man. He had his moments when he was crazy. 
He had his moments when he was ruthless and unfair and unwise, and you read about it all throughout the Bible. He wasn't perfect. But a pressure on a person's life will sometimes make them do some crazy things. But David shows us the difference between those who just do lip service to get ahead and those who have honor in their hearts. You've all seen those people in the workplace. They say the right things to the right people to get ahead. But that wasn't David. David had honor in his heart. David was loyal. And loyalty is a great virtue lost in a world of self-indulgence. Imagine if we taught loyalty again. Marriages would be strong. Churches would grow organically and beautifully. Friendships would blossom and families would become large and stable like great oaks. If we were loyal like David. Those who trust in the word of God will always see it come to pass. And David trusted in God. And before we close today, I want to just share one more story of David with you. It's found in 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24, and I want us to read verses 1 to 8. And this is the story. Soon after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds. Saul went into a cave to relieve himself, went to the bathroom. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David, uh, uh, David, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with you as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him again because he had cut off Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Soon after that, he left the cave and gone on his way. David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. This is David's chance. No one's looking. No one will know. If I can just take out Saul now, my life is going to be so much easier. But David was a man of honor. Notice what he does. He bows low to the king. An act of humility. In 1 Samuel 26 again, we see that Saul is asleep in his camp and David's men go through the camp and David has an opportunity again to take Saul out. But David is not interested. David knows 
that there are opportunities that come away, come along our way in order to get ahead. But they will cost you your honor. And David was not interested in an opportunity like that. Those opportunities are always short-lived. The result of David honoring Saul is that God honored David. Saul died eventually. And it wasn't by the hand of David, but it was basically by the hand of the Lord. And then David didn't just come and jump into his throne straight away. David still honored God and believed in God, but let God let the situation unfold itself. David then is appointed king of Judah, and several years later, he becomes king of Israel, the greatest king of all. The position of the greatest honor. This story proves to us again and again, when you honor others, the overflow is that God will honor you. And this is so Jesus-like. This is exactly what Jesus did. You notice when Jesus speaks to people and he's communicating with people, he's never really looking down on people. He's not lording it over people. He is honoring them. You think of, uh, of, of the people who had leprosy or the people who were blind or sick. You think of the woman who had the issue of blood. Or you think of the Samaritan woman at the well who had many husbands. Every time Jesus honored them. And that is as Christ follows how we should be. This David-like heart of honoring other people. You may be up against a soul-like person in your life right now. You may have someone in your life who is trying to lord it over you or someone who has been unkind to you or, or someone who does not deserve your honor. There may be someone who, in your life who, who is just causing a lot of issues or you're seeing injustice being done. And you want to take you know, it in your own hands and, and make sure they get what they deserve. If we take a lesson right here from David, say no, take a step back. Honor them, and eventually God will honor you. I'm going to close with this story. My father, to me, showed one of the greatest acts of honor I've ever seen in my life. He was a pastor for 40 years. And so he had seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. And there's no doubt about it. There's great things about church. There's some bad things about church. And occasionally, there's some really ugly things about church. It's because we're just people who come together. And whenever people are, there's good, there's bad, and there's downright ugly. And so, the year was 94. 94 into 95. And the church that he was pastoring, there was a group of men who no longer wanted him to be the pastor. And that happens from time to time in churches. They started mobilizing people and speaking negative things into people, and the church was kind of split. Half the people wanted my dad to stay, the half the people didn't. And one of the main culprits of this was actually one of my best friend's father. As a kid, we didn't know what was going on as much 
And there had been months and months of this going on, and you could just feel the tension on a Sunday morning when we came to church together. And this man had been part of a, a group of about seven guys. And he came to my dad one day, and he needed my dad's help. See, he had a job where he was an outside sales guy, and he traveled all around the UK with his company car. And the week before, he had been stopped by the police for the sixth time in the space of a year. And it was a two-point violation, meaning that he now had 12 points on his license. And in the UK, if you have 12 points on your license, it's an immediate 12-month ban and suspension of your license. And he came to my dad and he said, look, I need your help. He said, if they suspend my license, I lose my job because this is all I've known. He says, I don't know how I'll be able to find my family if I lose this job. My dad was not just a pastor. He was also what they call a justice of the peace. He was a magistrate. It's a volunteer position in the UK. And he gets to sit on like minor fines, courts, and all that sort of stuff. And he loved it. He did it one, one day a week. And this man knew that if my dad wrote a letter to the judge, it would carry a lot of weight because he was the justice of the peace. And he came to this situation. So my dad had this predicament. There's this guy who is part of a group who wants to get rid of me, who wants to do away with me. But if I don't help him, then his family are going to be in trouble because he's going to lose his job. So my dad did what any Christ follower should do. He wrote a letter to the judge. He said that this man was an upstanding family man, upstanding citizen, faithful servant to his church. Will you please pardon him these two points? And the letter went to the magistrates and he got let off. He kept his job. An amazing act of honor. It's crazy because six months later, he was part of a group who wrote a letter to the church and it all went down, they all left and things got a lot better. His family history from that, lots of issues. My best friend became this reclusive guy who tried to take his own life and he's 37 and still lives at home right now with no job. His daughter went through some issues, a lot of issues. But I can't really speak for their family, but I can speak for my father. And this is what I know. My, God, my dad honored him. And I know for a fact that God has honored my dad. The situation may not be easy. You may think, how can I honor this person? But if you show honor to them, the overflow is that God will honor you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. We're just going to quickly pray before we dismiss today. But you may be in a place today where you may be running into a King Saul-like person. Maybe jealousy has gripped their hearts. Maybe they just have it out for you. Maybe they've been unfair towards you. Maybe you see some injustice or you, you, you see some issues going on. And you want to take matters into your own hands. 
This is what I would encourage you to do today. Honor them. In the way that they need to be honored. Just like David honored King Saul. The battle is not yours. The Bible says the battle is the Lord's. The Lord will take care of them as he needs. You have to make sure that your heart is right before God. I know everything within us wants to take care of the situation. It's so unfair. But this is what I know. If you honor others, God will take care of that. But the overflow is that God will honor you. So let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you watch over us. We thank you that you are so concerned about every minute detail of our lives. Father God, today we come before you. And we believe in your way. We believe in your will. We believe in that the path of the Lord is the best path. And Father, at times, the emotions within us start to, to, to rage, God, and get the better of us. And we want to take matters into our own hands. But this is what we know, God, that when we look to you and we trust in you, and we rise above the situation, and we act like David, and we show honor, even if honor is not deserved, we know that you are going to take care of the situation. And Lord, we know that you will honor us. So God, today our prayer is that you will honor us. Honor us in all that we do, God. Help us to have a good attitude. Help us to see things in a different perspective. Help us not to be like Saul and have a heart of jealousy. Help us, God, not to let our anger and our emotions get the better of us. But God, let us have a soothing soul where we have a peace within us, knowing that the Lord's way is great and mighty. So Father God, today we pray that you will help us to honor others, knowing that the overflow is that you will honor us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.